Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to 20s Are Hard, our fortnightly podcast on surviving your 20s. So before we get started, we just want to apologise this episode is a little bit late. Um, we're currently recording this, the thir- well, Thursday morning for me, Thursday afternoon for Helly, um, and it was due up yesterday. So we're hoping to get it out by the weekend, but... We just had logistical issues, really. Yeah, 11-hour time difference problems and hostile Wi-Fi. But hopefully this will not be an issue in the future. <laughs> yes. Thank you for... Oh, God, now my alarm's going off, my Lord. I can't Gosh. actually hear it, if that helps. <laughs> that does help. But, um, yeah, hopefully in the next couple of episodes, things will settle down. But, you know, you can't knock our commitment. It is currently quarter to six in the morning. And I am up recording this podcast. So Mate, I'm so that impressed. Not for lack of trying. <laughs> this podcast is late. So, but anyway, how are you? What have you been up to in Australia? I'm good. Um, it's all very kind of admin at the moment. Um, we are loving Melbourne. Absolutely love it. Um, so much to do. So much going on. Um, the great thing is we're actually house hunting at the moment and it means that we're basically exploring a different neighbourhood every day to get a feel for places. That's um, exciting. So, yeah, so like a couple of days ago we were at the beach neighbourhood so we just hung out there all day and kind of got to explore around there and then, um, yeah, we picked a couple of cool neighbourhoods which we really like so we're just viewing houses at the moment and also applying for jobs so it's not as exciting as the last few weeks have been but still I mean it'll be exciting once we get somewhere settled but oh my god some of the house stories I have to tell you like the places <laughs> honest to god I I just one of them was like a prison it had bars on the window oh. um which was just terrifying in itself and then another one was really nice modern townhouse and she's like oh the bedroom's on the ground floor I'm like okay that's fine so we go down and walk through a garage and you know those garages that are like you drive in the front and then there's like a utility room at the back no the through that like through that door into the utility room was this bedroom and to be fair the bedroom was was okay it was right next to the washing machine and all of that but in the back of the garage there was another bed and we were like what's this who's this what's 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 this about and the landlord was like oh sometimes I stay there we were what? like <laughs> no sorry what now so we so she could be staying there and we would have to walk through a garage that she's sleeping in to get to our room or to go out to the kitchen <laughs> like it was a solid no <laughs> no that, that is very weird and also you know that I sometimes stay here actually translates as I'm here three nights a week yeah exactly there was no clarification of how much she meant I stay here sometimes <laughs> That is a bit peculiar. But, um, no, we're, we're getting there. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks or so. Well, hopefully. I'd like to think by the next time we record that um, we've got stuff sorted, which would be nice. But I don't want to jinx it. So maybe I won't say that. Um, I mean, I think I jinxed this whole situation because I text you the day after we got the last podcast up going, do you know what? Can we take a moment? We actually did like everything got up on time. We had no problems. And then we were like, right, let's be really organised and book in our next recording session because, of course, we do have to book them in. And um, the universe went, ha, it's so funny that you're celebrating that because you don't know what I've got coming for you. I mean, in all fairness, the reason we did all of that pre-recording was because we knew the internet would be crap in the countries I was travelling through. We didn't anticipate that it would be crap in Australia. <laughs> no, we actually thought Australia was going to be the safe bet. But we've learned our lesson. Don't you worry, guys. We've learned our lesson. 
Anyway, uh, what have you been up to? Um, so, I, I mean, to be honest, I've not done a lot. I feel like I've entered full autumn mode because it is the peak of the best time of year here. <laughs> um, all of the leaves have changed. The clocks have now gone back, which I'm not exactly loving. Um, <laughs> as we know, it's one of the saddest days in the calendar every year. It is. Um, and, I mean, it's quite nice to have a bit more light in the morning, but leaving the office in the dark is just a bit bleak. But it does mean that I've just been spending a lot of time at home. I've done a lot of cooking. I've watched a lot of TV. I've chilled out a bit, which I think actually is probably what I needed. Um, Because in the next few weeks, I have a lot more going on. I think I only have like one full free weekend now where I'm at home both days before the end of the year. Wow. Um, Yeah, so... it's Like, a lot of it I am at home for and people are coming to me. I'm only out for the day. Um... However, <laughs> it's definitely kind of been stockpiling some of the chill before things get a little bit mad. Um, yeah. So yeah. I've not been up to an awful lot, but it's been quite nice. It's been quite chilled. I, had, I do have a lot of recommendations this week, though. So, Oh, that's good. That I actually good. have recommendations as well. So we have improved on the last episode <laughs> in yeah. that respect. We're better in some ways. <laughs> We've both got a couple this week then. Yes. Um, So my first recommendation is actually a podcast and way back it was, I can't even remember what episode it was, but I recommended a podcast called Your Mum's House, which is Tom Segura and Christina Pazitsky. And they are a comedian couple based in the States. Um, But Christina has actually launched her own podcast. Um, Not recently, it's actually been out for a while, but I only discovered it recently, so I am behind. Um, But it's called Where My Mum's At. And it's basically a really, it's a really interesting, really engaging podcast. Um, And it basically looks at working mums. And I didn't think it was something that I was going to particularly identify with, especially as a lot of it was talking about raising children. But the episode in particular, I listened to one with Alyssa Milano. And Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it was so, so interesting. They're basically talking about like, they're talking about their birth stories, which was really interesting in itself for someone who actually had a child. Yeah, I did think of you actually when I listened to it. I thought that you would enjoy it. (laughs) Clemmy Hooper's just done a whole podcast about birth stories. You can imagine how much I enjoyed that. (laughs) Oh, seriously, you you should give this one a a listen, definitely. Okay. But Alyssa Milano has been so involved with the Me Too movement and also for um, getting rid of the stigma around breastfeeding in public. Um, and they just have a really, really interesting conversation. They talk about like, parenting, colossal mum fails, um, just like kind of really identifiable things for parents. But because Christine is a comedian, she's just really, really funny. And it's a really interesting chat to listen to. And there's 100 episodes, so there's loads of them to listen to. Actually, I'm obviously way behind. But um, yeah, I would definitely recommend giving it a listen if you are um, interested in those kind of podcasts from Clemmy Hooper and all that sort of thing. It's very female-centric, which I really like. I'm going to check that out. That sounds right up my street. And I find, even though I don't have kids and I have no intention of having kids anytime soon, it's still really interesting to hear those discussions. See, I've never really felt that before. And we actually listened to it while we were doing one of our long drives. And uh, me and Taylor, and we both laughed at it loads. Like, it was really, really interesting and really funny as well. So was definitely a good sign that it kind of engaged both of us as well yeah definitely um what's your first recommendation this week 
So both of mine this week are actually TV shows, which just shows how much I've been at home because I never <laughs> recommend TV shows because I rarely watch TV. Um, the first one is a new one from Amazon Prime and it's probably one that quite a few people have heard about because it's kind of doing the rounds on social media. It's called Modern Love and when I first heard about it, I wasn't entirely sure because I have a policy where I don't watch anything that could make me cry. Um <sighs> I'm sure some people will judge. I personally don't see the point in it. Um, so I'm a little bit sceptical, but I'll be honest, it wasn't actually what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be a little bit like a Love Actually situation that went on for like eight or nine episodes, and I didn't really feel like I could commit. But actually what it is, is um, it's based on the New York Times column, Modern Love, and there are eight episodes, and each episode focuses on a different love story. And the main centre of it is that kind of romantic love, like partner love. However, it also really beautifully weaves in elements of parental love and also platonic love. And all of the stories are really interesting, but they're really unique. Like They're really different. And it is one of the most life-affirming and heartwarming shows I've seen in such a long time. I binged mm-hmm. seven episodes yesterday. Um, oh I only have one left. And I, I never do that. Um, but it is just such a beautiful show. I'm hoping they do a series two. Episodes one to three, in my opinion, are the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just really lovely. I cannot recommend it enough. If you have Amazon Prime, you have access to an Amazon Prime video. But to be honest, it's worth getting a free trial or just signing up for a month just to watch it, in my opinion. Oh, maybe I need to do that. I don't actually have Amazon Prime, but that sounds really I, interesting. I actually think you'd really like it. And the first few, I actually thought of you because they all have like a theme of love around books as well. Oh, um, okay. And I did think you'd really like that. But I, I do think like, even though it isn't necessarily the type of TV either of us really normally watch, um, it's really amazing. It has a phenomenal cast in it. Um, and the music is brilliant as well. It's just a really, it's really wonderful storytelling, I think. Okay, I'm very sceptical of those kind of things. So if you've recommended it, then I'll have to give it a try because I feel like we're both very sceptical of similar things. So. <laughs> yeah, like, it's made me, like, tear up once or twice, but, like, genuinely happy tears. Um, oh, okay. That's, that's it's, not like, it's not like a trauma. It's not like watching... A Star is Born or Titanic. Like, it's not that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, can't deal with that. <laughs> um, what, should we move on? What's your next recommendation? Uh, my next recommendation is something that I've actually eaten twice in the past week because it's been so good. Um, so I had to recommend it. I've not come across it anywhere before to the point where I even Googled it and the only result is the restaurant that I've eaten, like, that I've eaten this dish at. Amazing. But it's so easy to make that I'm sharing it here. So there's a kind of modern Mexican restaurant um, chain. I don't know if it's all across Australia, but there's three of them in Melbourne. And it's called Fonda Mexican. And they do a Mexican bimba, which is a deconstructed salad. And it is amazing. I wouldn't usually go for a salad type thing in a restaurant, um, but it's not what you typically expect from a salad. And it's vegan as well. So, oh, where you can add extra stuff to it, obviously, but the one I've been having is vegan. And it's it's got everything in it. It's got spinach, sweet potato, smoked corn, shredded zucchini, shaved cabbage, spiced black beans, sliced radish, and toasted quinoa. And it's all kind of, it, it just looks like a bowl, basically, like all of like the separate segments in a bowl, and then you mix it all up together. And it's so... Is it a bit right? like a bigger bowl or like a poke bowl? 
I I guess in in like the way that it's constructed, yeah. Um, yeah. But just like with Mexican kind of ingredients. So I looked up their ingredients and then we can put them in the show notes because me and Taylor both said it would be so, so easy to make. It's one of those dishes where, and I rarely, rarely have this, but where I ate it and I was so full afterwards, but not uncomfortably. Like oh, I, I love felt, that. yeah, like you've had a really fresh, like wholesome kind of filling meal, but not stodgy. Oh my God, I need to undo my jeans kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a really, really nice meal. I think you could kind of, especially with the beans and the sweet potato, you could definitely kind of make it a warm kind of autumn oh. dish or a more salad summery type of thing with the, the cabbage and the um, guac as well. So that sounds yeah. so good. Honestly, I, I was absolutely loving it. It was so, so nice. So yeah, we went back three days later and I had the exact same thing, which again, <laughs> is very unlike me. I don't think I've ever heard you doing that before. That's hilarious. Exactly. I know, with a salad as well. <laughs> but yeah, it was awesome. Um, what's your second recommendation? So it's another new TV show. It is the, well, I say new, it's been out a few weeks, but um, it's a Simon Reeve documentary called The Americas. And I've only recently discovered Simon Reeve, if I'm totally honest. Um, I've never watched <laughs> documentaries before. So, and if Becky's listening, she'll be like, I can't believe I just discovered this guy. Um, <laughs> her most days about him now. Um, <laughs> but on BBC iPlayer, he has a real back catalogue of pretty much every documentary he's done. He's just started one called The Americas, which is where he's travelling from the very top of North America to the very bottom of South America. And um, I just really like his interview style because and I, I definitely don't mean this is an insult, um, but he's just not very cool. And I feel like he's very, very <laughs> awkward, but it's exactly how we would be in that situation. Like you oh, would yeah. be completely shocked at some of the situations he finds and you would be completely just like, why is it like this? And how are we letting people live like this? And all of those things. And, I think it's actually a very accessible and realistic kind of view and take on things, kind of similarly to how, and I don't think they're at all similar, but that kind of way of just reporting in a slightly different way, how Louis Theroux really gets into people. Um, mm. That's a really weird way of putting it, but you all know what I mean. Um, it kind of like breaking down those barriers I guess and having those conversations when people are very vulnerable but doing it in a very kind and compassionate way without personally getting too overly involved if that yeah. makes sense um, yeah, no. so there are three episodes out at the moment it comes out on a Sunday night here but I catch up on iPlayer I'm not sure how you can watch it internationally I think you can watch iPlayer internationally can't you mm, only certain things it depends so you might better watch this because this is a BBC show so maybe they'll let you watch it. But um, I'll leave it linked. But yeah, it's just a really, really eye-opening documentary. I feel like I've learned loads. Because although he tells the really nice side of things, he definitely doesn't shy away from the massive issues. And the what, the third episode where he's in California and he looks at the massive difference in wealth, particularly in LA, where they have more homeless people in LA than the top 27 other cities in the US combined. That's insane. It's horrific. That's like mad. There are people living inside bridges, like inside railway bridges. Jesus Christ. Yeah, That's and it's, it's, it's really eye-opening. It definitely has taught me a hell of a lot. 
but because of who he is and how he kind of presents it, it still feels very compassionate and it isn't like just observation, oh, this is bad, but that's it kind of thing. So yeah, I would highly recommend if you're looking for something to cosy up with this autumn. Yeah, I really like him. So I'll, if I can watch that here, I'll definitely give that a try. What's your second recommendation? I've already done it. Oh my God, can you tell it before <laughs> six in the fucking morning? <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, then. Shall we? Um, I'm going to leave that in because I think it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> instead, then, shall we move on to this week's topic? Yes. <laughs> so this week, we've decided uh, we want to talk about fear. And we realise that's a massive massive topic that incorporates so many different things and means something different to absolutely everybody but a lot of things have come up over the past year for both of us which I think um, both play into fears that maybe a lot of people have experienced or are just are interesting to hear other people talk about because again it's one of those things that people don't talk about that often Um, and we wanted to kind of look at the maybe the more tangible and the the not so tangible fears um, that we've both experienced um, and ways that we've tried to conquer those or at least tried to work on them over the past year or so. Yeah, I think to your point, fear can be such a huge and naturally daunting topic. But um, and I think in fairness, there's a lot of things at this point in your life, both tangible and not so tangible that can make can really put you on edge and can really cause that feeling of fear in you. But I also think a lot of them can be tackled and it's a really good time to just approach some of them head on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it does, again, this is 20s are hard, but there's a lot of, I think, particularly the slightly less tangible fears that come into play at this point in your life. I mean, at any point, but at this point in your life where you're kind of expected to be hitting certain milestones or to be doing certain things and there's a lot of pressure and with that becomes a lot of fear of reaching those milestones or kind of tackling those problems. But do we want to start off with the more kind of tangible um, fears that we've both kind of identified and dealt with over the past year or so? Yeah, I think that'd be a really nice place to start. Do you want to start or do you want me to? Um, I can kick it off. Um, Because personally, I I realise how hilarious this one is. And I've only really pinpointed what my issue is with it on this trip out here. But for some reason, over the past year or so, I've become a really, really nervous flyer. Like, ridiculously. Yeah, I know. It's because I don't like telling people about it because it's the most ridiculous thing. But not on every flight. And I've established my fear is flying over water. So every time I was flying to see Taylor, I was absolutely bricking it. That makes sense. If I fly somewhere in Europe, no problem. I'm flying over landmass. I mean, it makes it no less dangerous. Like Things can still happen. I know logically if something was going to happen, it can happen equally. I know that flying is a very safe form of transportation generally. So it is a fairly illogical fear but I know lots of other people suffer with it too but um I mean this trip has kind of confirmed it for me because I wasn't I didn't really have a fear of any flight until the one I took from Singapore to Australia which obviously went over a lot of water (coughs) (coughs) it's funny though you say it's mad like it's crazy I don't think it is like I think the like 
I don't necessarily have a fear of flying. I am definitely someone who suffers from travel anxiety, though. And if I have to fly over water, I almost like it's almost like my buttocks clench a bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm <laughs> and generally speaking, I don't fly over a lot of water. I normally fly to Europe um, or further in that direction. So I, it's not it's not very often that I'm flying over big big bodies of water. But if you look out the window and you see that you're over the sea. There is always that thing of like, oh God, if we go down now, we're never being found. Um, that's a really unhelpful thing to say to anyone who's scared of flying. I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> oh my God, Charlotte, you, oh, I should have had a coffee before this. I'm so sorry that's so <laughs> But Well, no, but I mean, but logically, like the same thing could happen like over land as well. Like, yeah, if you go down over the desert, desert, like it's still not great, is it? But yeah, um, I mean, like... It, it goes back to that thing of things can happen anywhere, but equally, I, I rationally know that it's not. And, and obviously, I've not let it affect me enough because I'm like, I've not let it affect me too much because I've still done a fair amount of flying over the last few weeks and stuff. So I don't I mean, I guess the way I've tackled that is to not let it stop me from doing what I want to do. Um, yeah, it's not affected me to the point of paralyzing fear and I won't get on the plane. Yeah. But um it's something that I'm a lot more aware of now and I definitely did not have that fear a couple of years ago. Do you find being more aware of it though means it's a bit easier to tackle because it's almost like when you walk into a room and you have like a coat on the back of the chair and you're like oh my god there's a person sitting there and then when you turn on the light you're like no there's not of course there's not and you you then kind of some of the mystery away from it. Yeah I mean I think I always feel a lot more reassured by the fact that there are people around me, like everyone else is in the same boat, in the same position. Like, and I acknowledge that some of them probably have a far worse fear of flying than I do. Yeah. I mean, there are people who struggle inexplicably with flying, like absolutely cannot, yeah. cannot handle it and have to medicate. And that's not a point that I've had to get to at all. But I think being aware of it and kind of preparing myself. And then now that has also helped with, I don't know if I am flying over land I'm like well this is this is fine like deal with this or if there's a little bit of water like if I'm flying over a sea I'm like this is fine I can deal with this I survived that um I don't know I think being a lot more aware of it has helped in terms of me being less afraid of the other flights I don't think you should ever belittle your fears I think there's a balance between calling yourself out on it and being like okay no I need to kind of get over this but I think ultimately if you're scared of something you're scared of it for a reason and kind of beating yourself up and being like this is really silly this is really stupid that's not going to make your fear go away um so there's the thing there of kind of acknowledging your fear like you have and almost accepting like okay I'm scared of this but what can I do to stop it from having an impact on my day-to-day life or if it's not something day-to-day like flying like those big moments in my life where I do need to just do this thing yeah, I mean, that I absolutely know that it's probably come from me, uh, like all the like the air accidents that have happened recently with yeah. planes crashing. Um, and I absolutely know that it's because I've read those news articles. So if I see anything even related, I'm just like, don't click on it anymore. Like, don't feed that fear because how many flights take off a day? And yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah. This is only being recorded on because it is such an anomaly. Okay. Yeah, that's the other thing. What did I just say? I mean, reported. <laughs> But do you want to talk a little bit about um, one of your fears and kind of 
how you've been working with it or identified it? Yeah, so one of my huge fears is, and again, do you know what? I've just said don't belittle your fears, but I almost want to automatically caveat this with, I know it's a bit silly, uh, but I'm not going to do that, um, is riding a bike. Now, it is a little bit silly because from the ages of like maybe three up until 13, I constantly rode a bike. Like I loved riding my bike. I was on it all the time. We would go on cycle rides. It was great. Then I stopped riding it because obviously it wasn't cool anymore and I discovered boys. Um, (laughs) But then when I was about, I don't know how old I was to be honest, but it was like mid-teens. I went on a holiday with Alex's family and we went on a bike ride and I fell off of the bike. But I I did fall off quite badly. Like I fell off of the, I was on a bike that was too high for me for a start. I fell off down a hill into a gorse bush and got stuck. So in itself, it was relatively traumatic and embarrassing and very physically painful. Um, And then I just didn't ride a bike for years to a point where it actually became a thing I was really, really stressed about. Um, And then in April this year, we, of course, went to Kuchenhof. And once we had booked it, Heli mentioned to me we would have to cycle. And I can't explain the pure panic that went through my body because I was like, we have booked this trip and I cannot ride a bike and I cannot possibly get on a bike. And I was so scared, particularly because I knew we'd have to drive along the roads. Um, and it, it kept me up at night. I didn't tell Heli this. Aww. No, I, I never told you. I was not aware. <laughs> so I was like, well, I've got to just do it. And almost having that pressure, because the other side of me was, if I say no, I ruin it for both of us. And I don't want to do that. Um, but I was so stressed about the whole thing that I was actually about to order a helmet on Amazon and take it in my backpack <laughs> when Heli did point out to me, I mentioned this in passing and you pointed out to me that they do sell um, helmets. It is a thing. <laughs> yeah, they have them at the rental place. It's fine. Yeah. So I didn't buy a helmet to take with me. But actually, that was just one of the ways I was kind of controlling that fear a little bit and going, okay, well, I've got to get on the bike. But what can I then do to break it down a little bit? And say, well, if my risk of getting severely injured is lower, that's going to reduce some of the fear. Um, But the other big thing I did is just remember that I am perfectly capable of riding a bike. And it is true what they say, when you get knocked off a bike, you should get back straight back on. And I didn't. And I do think that's what caused a lot of it. Um, But I did it and it was amazing. And I didn't fall off. Amazingly, did not fall off the bike in Amsterdam. Um, and actually, there's something really empowering about conquering fears, even if it feels like something smaller that doesn't impact your daily life, like flying or like a bike. It feels really empowering to just conquer and be like, I'm not so scared of that anymore. Yeah, and I have two things for what you, you just said. One, tell tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, you, that's a lesson for both of us there. Don't, don't let it build up in your mind and and kind of be so consuming that you feel like you can't tell anyone because then you start belittling it in your mind. Like it's stupid. So I can't tell them like friends are there to support you. Yeah. Even like we, we all knew the story about, about the gorse bush and falling (laughs) off into it, but I I didn't know that it was keeping you up at night until you told me afterwards, obviously. And like, like straight away, I could have been like, well, we'll rent a helmet. And also the Netherlands is well known for its cycle path, so we probably won't even be directly on the road. Um, and yeah, and you were you were great. Like it turned out well. You didn't hurt yourself. You were you were a natural on the bike. I wouldn't say natural, but 
I think that's a really important thing you just said, like, do tell the people around you if you're genuinely scared of something, because nine times out of ten, they'll go, oh, no, it's fine. Do you know what I do do that for? And I feel like we actually both do this when we're being hypochondriacs that we have some sort of illness and we're afraid that we're dying. Yeah, um, we do actually tell each other. Yeah, that we're quite good on. But then I think that's closer to just anxiety and worry, like we discussed last week, over fear. I think they're two yeah, different that's things. true, actually. Yeah, and because we know we both have the same anxieties about that, we can then feel comfortable with yeah. each other. Um, <laughs> like, and it, you can kind of notify that it's illogical. Whereas things like this, or like if you're scared of spiders or small spaces or something like that, like you have a genuine phobia, that can, I think that feels different. Yeah, I mean, my spider fear is all consuming, she says, sitting in Australia. But that's the one I thought I, you were going to share. And I thought I, it is a little bit hilarious when you say out loud that you're deathly afraid of spiders and you've moved to Australia. I mean, the, re- you know, the reason why I didn't share that one is because I've not, I have absolutely no way of dealing with it. Unless someone wants to hypnotise me out of my fear, I have no way of dealing with it. I'm never going to pick up a spider. I've had a spider put on me before and it did not help the situation. The only way I control it is by checking under every to- toilet seat and looking in my shoes before I put them on. Like, God. <laughs> I, so it's not actually a very helpful thing to contribute towards fear. I just deal with the fear. and check the spiders everywhere I got over my fear of spiders but my approach to getting over them will not help you in the slightest because you're in fucking Australia my response was okay these things are tiny you're in the UK none of them are actually gonna hurt you stop being so precious and I had a bit of a word with myself however you're in Australia so actually they could really hurt you so again I I had the same thinking in in the UK and when I don't see a spider and I say that to myself I, I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm being stupid. Like, they won't hurt me. And then I see a spider. I'm like, I, it's going to kill me. Um, I, just, I just can't. It's the way that they move. I don't know. This, this is very unhelpful. It's obviously a fear that I have not conquered in the slightest. But I think acknowledging that is important and saying, I know I don't understand it. Um, but I think when you understand the fear, that can really help. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I... I think if I had a fear that was so debilitating for spiders, I probably wouldn't have come to Australia. But I guess that is part of conquering the fear in that I know I'm afraid, I'm afraid, but I've done it anyway. Yeah, that's true. I know that it's a very real possibility. I'm going to see some pretty big and gruesome spiders here. But actually, we were speaking to um, a friend that we met up with in Adelaide last week. Yeah. He was like, they just don't want anything to do with you. He said, they will, they will not attack a human unless you're going to like, your foot in your shoe and obviously invade the space like just check those dark spaces he said don't even kill them like the, the black widow spiders that they have they get rid of all of the horrible flies that are like a huge problem this time of year so like, i didn't realize that they're actually like they are they are a, a way to control like the fly population just it's similar to how they are in the uk as well and they won't they're not aggressive they're not going to attack you just like out of spite they'll only ever like bite you if you do something to to them like which makes sense really yeah um I guess just like with a lot of animals really but um yeah I don't know I guess I'm dealing with it by just being here anyway and checking under the toilet seat before I sit down that's a good tip I didn't even (laughs) do that (laughs) yeah not ideal yeah and I think as well there's something important there like you've not conquered that fear but you've acknowledged it and I feel like that's really similar to my one about like 
I guess the way to put it is big bodies of water. Because, again, I grew up learning to swim, but I've never been a very good swimmer. And now I am genuinely terrified of getting in the sea or getting in a swimming pool even. Um, I do... It's really hard. When I go away, I try very hard to do it. And sometimes mm. I feel more comfortable than others. If I'm going to get in water, it's more than likely going to be in a swimming pool. But it's also more than likely with someone holding my hand like I am a child because it makes me feel so stressed. And I know it's because I'm not a very good swimmer and I'm terrified of drowning. Um, so unless I can touch the bottom, I have no interest in getting in that water. Which, again, yeah. I guess, like, it's like a survival thing. Like, similar to your fear in spiders. It's rooted in a want to survive. Like, a human want to not die. Um, yeah. But then our brains kind of just play with that a bit. And it's something that I definitely am working on. Like, when we went to Malta this year, it took me 25 minutes, but I did paddle in the sea a little bit. Um, actually, I went up to my waist, which... It's relatively and you got And you got in the pool too. Yes, I did also get in the pool. Um, and like last year when we went to Bali, we were in the same hotel for I think four or five days. And over the course of those four or five days, I did slowly get into the pool. Um, it was like holding onto Alex the entire time. Although I did swim a couple of lengths at the end. Um, That's good. But that doesn't mean that tomorrow I could just go and get in a swimming pool. Because for me, like I felt very safe in that situation. There wasn't anyone else around me. Um, and I felt safer there, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and you've had the opportunity to like build up to it as well, which I think is totally. a really helpful thing to do, like with any fear, kind of taking small steps towards it. Yeah, and I'm sure if I was in a situation where I had to like swim on a regular basis or whatever, I probably would get over the fear a lot quicker. A lot of it is because when I'm in the UK, I'm never going to go and get in the sea here because it's freezing and black. Um, and I'm never going to go swimming because I hate public swimming pools so much. Um, so it is only really when it is 28 plus degrees outside and I am so warm that I need to cool off that there's a slight incentive to get in the pool. So I'm not frequently in that position. But again, similar to your spider thing, it's one that I'm trying to be pragmatic about and just tackle little by little. But also it's not affecting my daily life. Like I don't feel like it really holds me back. I do think I should go and get swimming lessons, but that's probably a task for another day. Um, and I think actually that would probably really help me with it. But then I've got to go to a public swimming pool, which stresses me out. So, you know. It, <laughs> go, to, go to a nice one. Join like one of those nice gym places. and go There's to no the such thing as a nice public swimming pool, Heli. No, what about ones that like, I don't know, David Lloyd or somewhere like that? Honestly, we can't get into my HS swimming pools because you'll never use a swimming pool again. <laughs> okay fine I don't want to do that uh, to any of our listeners <laughs> but um yeah I think it's, it's understand that process isn't it but also having conquered the fear of riding a bike I now know it is completely within me like I have the complete power to get in the sea and to swim if I want to I know mentally I could do it but there's also that thing if I am making a choice not to yeah but like you said I mean it's not impacting your day-to-day life and you're entirely aware of it and I think yeah you are taking active steps to conquer that fear when you can so I think if anything those are just those are positive steps to be making. Shall we always have a chat about maybe some of those bigger fears we have and the ones that just aren't tangible the ones that almost cross over into that worry and uncertainty realm as opposed to just being a fear? Yeah yeah I think there's a lot of uh 
again, this is another huge pool of of fears and, like you said, anxieties that a lot of people have. And I feel like a lot for me are they kind of link to your own self belief as well. Yeah. Um. So f- for me, um, one of my biggest fears was of like fear of failure of moving to Australia. Oh, look, it rhymes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, it's it was such a big change to leave my job, leave where I lived in Oxford. I, I, everything was going well. I didn't leave because I was unhappy. And I was so afraid that taking this huge step, I would then fail at it and have to come back and have to find a job. And I think it was so linked to, will I be good enough to find a job? Will I be good enough to make it work out there? Will I, will I be able to like, create a new life out there? And I think everyone has self-doubts. And now I'm here and yeah. I've got a part-time job and we're well on track to, yes, I haven't got a job yet. We haven't got a house yet, but we're well on track to doing it. And we're both in it together as well, which obviously makes things a lot easier. Yeah. But I think it's so easy to let those kind of self-doubts take over and really manifest as fears. Definitely. Because it could have really held you back. You could have just been like, no, 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 well, why don't we wait another six months or why don't we just go next year instead? But actually, even though you were scared of it, you've tackled it head on. And that in itself must have just proved to you what you are capable of. And I don't know, does it make it easier or at least more manageable um, when you think of the fact that maybe you haven't got a full-time job and you haven't got that house yet? that you're going to be okay because you've been fine so far, even though you've been scared? Yeah, I was. At, this has actually just occurred to me now, though. I think it was a bigger fear that made me do it. So I think my, my biggest fear was, like, getting a few years down the line and thinking I wish that I'd done it. Or yeah. getting a few years down the line, and, like, doesn't mean that you're not happy a few years down the line, but getting a few years down the line it no longer being an option or no longer something you're able to do, whether it's for, like, work reasons or health reasons or family reasons. But I think the, the fear of having, like, like, regretting not doing it was bigger than the fear of failing, I guess. That's true, actually. I think so many times in life I've thought, okay, I'm scared but what if I don't do it? Like when I've quit jobs and stuff like that and you're there and you're like, I'm so... Like the feeling of handing your notice is always horrible. When you don't have a job to go to and you're taking a huge risk, it's just like, it's horrible. It's so scary. But then that feeling of, but what if I don't do it? This situation doesn't get better or I'll look back and regret it. That in itself can sometimes be so much more powerful. Yeah, and I think, again, you just saying that has reminded me as well, even like the fear of interviews, people are afraid of interviews, but if you don't do it, you're never going to get to where you want to be. So that that fear of failing is bigger than the fear of kind of facing some discomfort for an hour or so. Yeah, I always say to everyone, take absolutely every interview you can get, even if you don't think you re- you're not sure you even want the job, take the interview, practice the interview, get used to yeah. the fact that they aren't doing you a favour they're not like trying to trip you up they just want to get to know you yeah I mean you've already got through that first round so exactly yeah um do you do you have any kind of examples of non-tangible fears oh yeah mine I mean this isn't just a fear this is something that um sorry I would say I don't say rules my life but has a massive impact on my day-to-day life to a point where actually I'm sure we will discuss it at a later date but I have a real fear of not being liked 
And I know a lot of people listening to this will be like, well, she has a podcast and she has a blog and she puts herself out there a lot. So she can't be that bad of a fear. And you know, she's a bit of a hypocrite. That voice in my head saying that is that fear of not being liked. Um, And I Mm. know that and it's not a lot of it is that I am a, I'm quite a people pleaser. Like I just like to be liked. I hate conflict. I hate that feeling of upsetting someone. I think that's a big part of it. Like I absolutely hate the idea that I could make someone feel like crap because I feel like there have been a lot of times in my life, particularly like I think we've touched on this before. Like we both went to all girls schools, and if you went to an all girls school, you know what it can be like. Um, <laughs> and that feeling that I could ever make anyone feel like that just it's kind of all consuming because you don't realise how much it can affect every area of your life. Like this incessant want to be liked. And then the, but it's not only that, it's in the fear of like, what if someone doesn't like me? Or what if I upset someone? And it sounds so egotistical to admit as well. Like what if someone doesn't like me? Or like, what don't they like about me? And all of that kind of thing. But it's shit, quite frankly. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who has that. Um, But it means that when you meet new people, it can be really, really daunting. And social situations are really stressful for me. Um, Which I think going back to the thing about having a podcast and a blog, I'm not with any people other than you, but that's obviously different. We're very good friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But like... Very good friends. You know what? (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) As soon as I said that, and then I thought I'd get away with it. <laughs> I'm only bringing it up because that I was know. exactly what Adrian Becky did. I know, I know. Oh, in our in our bonus episode, the first cut, I said, I don't, I don't remember what I said, but I didn't say the word best friends. Yeah, you said you said two of our good friends or something like that, and they were I like, don't use the word best friend. I don't use my best friend because I'm not five. Um, <laughs> but anyway you are one of my best friends to clarify um (laughs) like then having candid conversations or doing stuff like this doesn't intimidate me but I mean if we ever this is kind of putting this out there to the universe if we ever did a live podcast I would be a ball of sweat and anxiety for that because I'd be so scared that everyone in that room would hate me see my fear would come before that will there be anyone in that room to listen (laughs) would be my initial fear okay, <laughs> not whether anyone I'd never, even... <laughs> I'd never huh? even thought of that oh god can you imagine if you ever I mean, did a live episode yeah but that's that's like the same as the interview fear if people have turned up to listen to a live podcast they already like you because they've already listened to the podcast no because I think people like you and just tolerate me <laughs> uh, see no I, I don't think you could listen to a podcast if you only liked one half of the podcasting people like you can't I, I wouldn't listen to something if I disliked one of the hosts. Like, it would drive me nuts. True. True. Like, that is that, and the whole, the whole premise of this podcast is us talking to each other. So it'd be really awkward if someone didn't like half of that. <laughs> the one they hate whenever they listen. In all seriousness, though, like it always surprises me that this is one of your fears. Because to me, you always come across as someone who's like, well, if people don't like me, then... I kind of that's their problem because I do think it's true like you can never please everyone like that's just a fact of life and everyone should accept that and I mean carry on I was just gonna say especially in new social situations I mean my thinking especially when I meet people in like hostels and stuff I sometimes think what if they think I'm a really annoying British person 
And I'm like, ah, never going to see him again after the end of this week. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they can think what they like. But do you know what I mean? I mean, you can't you can't please everyone. And you're going to meet people in, in life who maybe don't like you. Equally, you're going to meet people who are going to stay in your life for a very long time. Like, it's kind of that, taking the, the good with yeah. the bad. And it's interesting, though, what you say about the girls' school, because I definitely felt like that when I was in high school. I was so afraid of people not liking me and I would try everything to be liked whereas now I'm like oh that was such it's just, just such a like such a ball ache it's just a waste of energy I do know that and it is something I'm working on and kind of back to your point about giving off that attitude of oh if people don't like me it doesn't matter it's definitely something I've worked on so hard this year um and something I continue to work on and there is a part of me as well that feels a bit like you've got to fake it till you make it. And oh, yeah, I totally think that. If I'm constantly sitting here going, I really care what people think, it's not going to get any better. So at least if I'm telling myself it doesn't matter what everyone thinks, I'm hoping at least part of that message will come through. But similarly to your fear about completely failing with the whole Australia thing, it doesn't mean that it isn't really intimidating. And even when you're doing those things to face that fear head on, it doesn't mean it's not still a really horrible feeling. Yeah. And I think that's so applicable to, like, especially when you're in your twenties and there is a lot of uncertainty and a lot of changes. And there is the, like we've, I know we've spoken about it before and it ties into so many of the things we said before, but kind of the, the big milestones of getting married or having children or should you be doing this or should you be doing that and will I be good at this and just even jobs finances family absolutely everything there are so many fears that you can have but I think but I think being able to verbalize those fears to the people around you is probably the most important thing that you can do yeah I think as soon as you admit a fear out loud it takes away so much of its power because it's no longer just sitting in your head. And in your head, it is the scariest thing in the world. So keeping it in there is not going to make it any less scary. But when you say it out loud, it just takes away some of its power. Yeah, stops that snowball effect. Definitely. And I think just if you can, break it down. Like it doesn't have to be like, obviously with the whole bike thing, I just went ahead and rode on very busy roads, but I didn't really have a choice. But with the swimming thing and the whole water stress, it's something I build up to a lot more gradually because it doesn't have to be that tomorrow I do an open water swim from Dover to Calais. You know, <laughs> it's not that extreme. It's more that, okay, well, next time I'm near a swimming pool, maybe I'll just like paddle in up to my knees and then I'll go up to my waist and next time I'll do a bit more. And it's taking those little steps and just breaking it down because, again, when you break it down, it's a loss a lot less scary yeah I think similar to whether it's whether it is talking to someone or just writing it down to kind of break down maybe where the fear is coming from what specific parts of the fear are affecting you even if it's talking to someone or taking swimming lessons and because the thing is people like that if you like for example if you are afraid of swimming if you went somewhere and said to someone I have this real fear of swimming and I know it's because I need to improve they'd they'd they would absolutely be able to help you with that and take it on yeah. no problem because that's that's their job. That's what they're there for. And they they must get that so much that it's it's something that so easily is kind of they're there to help and support you. And so I think just breaking it down and really understanding where the fear is coming from 
and how you can take those little steps to change it, like when it's right for you. I think that's kind of everything we wanted to cover this week with discussing fears. We hope it's been useful for you um, and maybe encouraged you to tackle some of those fears you have in your own life if you kind of feel like you can. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at twentiesareheart at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch on Instagram at twentiesarehard or on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash twentiesarehard. And of course, we are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Acast as well. So make sure you head over and subscribe. Yeah, have a brilliant fortnight and we will catch up with you in a few weeks. Bye. Bye.